The rocks cry out if we don't shout the praises of our God. There's nothing that can stand against the praises of our God. We will defeat the enemy with the praises of our God. Oh, sing praise to our God. I think that that is such a neat lyric that we will defeat the enemy with the praises of our God. And that very same God with a name so powerful has called our name out of, out of a tomb, out of darkness, out of weight, out of shame, into a glorious day. 
here at Hopevale are a community of grace and truth. So I'm going to gracefully tell you that it's cold and flu season. And so normally we handshake and hug and kiss. Don't kiss somebody you don't know, that's assault. But for today, we're going to just do a fist bump, an elbow rub, or maybe just one of those little, like, how you doing things. So go ahead and have a seat, and we'll see you in a little bit. Adam is fun on no sleep, right? <laughs> Got two little babies at home sick, and he had about an hour and a half sleep, and still came to lead worship for with today. It was great, yeah. Yeah, we all take our turn, right? And uh, stuff like that. Hey, well, my name's Billy. I'm the worship pastor here, and I'm so glad everybody's here for worship today. Uh, however hard it was for you to get here, or uh, maybe you just made a decision today to say, God, um, I want to give you a shot. Or maybe some people are here to say, God, I'm giving you my last shot. Who knows? But uh, we know it's a very important day today. Every day, every Sunday is a very, very important day, and we recognize that. So, so glad you're here. So, hey, um, if it is your first time, we certainly want to welcome you and say we're glad you're here. So uh, there's a lot uh, to know about Hope Vale, a lot of things to do, and um, so much going on here. We tell people, to, hey, keep a look on the website and take a look at your program as you walked in and lots of ways to stay connected. But we have one big announcement today. We want to talk about uh, Get to Know Hope Vale. That's today at 1230. If you want to stick around um, or, or bop off campus and then come back uh, at 1230, free lunch. Uh, pizza lunch and some other things served with it, and uh, it's about an hour or so, hour and a half hangout, and uh, it's a great time to get to know who we are. We're a community of grace and truth. It's a great way to find out why we're a community of grace and truth and things like that, so there'll be a little tour involved and things like that, so it'll be great. Amber Neeling, our uh, Welcome Ministries director, leads that, so that'll be great. Hey, ushers, uh, would you come forward, please? We're going to take uh, an offering this morning, if you would prepare now. Uh, if you've already given online, uh, we thank you for that, and uh, if you have, uh, or if you're watching now, uh, post uh, Sunday morning, uh, thanks so much for giving or taking the opportunity to give, and ushers, thanks for serving as always. So, hey, everybody, let's pray just for a moment and uh, ask the Lord's blessing on uh, how we can keep being a blessing to Him, right? So, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, it's been a great day to just come into your presence to uh, tell you uh, it's a glorious day. And to shout that out from the top of our lungs and to sing praises to you because you've been good to us. Think of Psalm 13, uh, the cry and the plea of King David that says, um, God, have you, would you answer my prayer? Have you heard me? Um, how long is it going to take for you to hear me? But in the very same breath, he says, but I will sing to you for you've been good to me. And I will praise you and I will trust you for you've been good to me. So God, you've been good to us, and here we are with our gifts that we offer to you uh, because you've been good. Even though sometimes we can't feel you or see you or touch you or, or, or remember that you're there. Help us to remember times past, just like King David did, and some of those monumental points in our life to say, God, you were really, you were there then, and you watched over me, and you cared for me, and you cared for my family. God, we know this life is filled with a bunch of free will and there are things that we'll not even have answered this side of heaven. Uh, but Lord, when we get there, I wonder if it'll even matter anyway. But Lord, for today, uh, you've been good to us and we want to be good back to you. So we give to you and ask God that uh, with what's given, you would take it and use it for your kingdom's advancement. We all pray together in Jesus' name and say, amen. God bless you again.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, another glorious day to worship you. And we live by that truth that you are alive in us. Please bless our time together as we start a new series about change and what that looks like and what that looks like as a believer, especially as a church starting a new campus today. Bless their time at John Glenn High School. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Good morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale, and I can't believe I finally get to say this for real. Hello, Bay City. Woo! It's so great to have you on board today, Sunday, January 14, 2018, is the first of our three soft launch Sundays where we'll begin worshiping at John Glenn High School. And we'll also be working through some of the bumps in the road along the way. And trust me, there are gonna be some bumps in the road. So thank you in advance for your patience and your understanding. What did I just say about bumps in the road? This is great, right? God's got such a sense of humor. You know, I said this last week though, you know, that after all the praying and all the planning, all the sacrificing and all the serving. It's wonderful to see God take this vision of beginning a Hopevale Church in Bay City and turning it into a living and breathing reality. It's amazing. So first of all, we give God all the glory for that. No question about it, right? And yet, thanks to you. Thanks to you for being willing to step out in faith. And so we can extend our reach even further as a community of grace and truth and inviting even more people to know and to follow Jesus with us. So, you know, in thinking about starting in Bay City today, I want to share a quick story and then we'll get to the message. A couple weeks ago, Kathy and I were um, out to eat. We had a meal at a Chinese restaurant, great time together, and we got to the end of the meal, very end, Chinese meal, and it was time for what? Right, skip out on the, no, fortune cookies, right. So we had our two fortune cookies. We handed them out, she opened hers first. I don't remember exactly what it said, something like, you're married to a great guy or something like that. Um, but then it came to me, Bay City just around the corner, I opened my fortune cookie, and honest to goodness, here's what it said. You would do well to expand your business, right? I mean, come on, if that's not a sign or what, right? In case you have any doubts, here it is. And if you can't read them, the lucky numbers are 45, 7, 33, 20, 44, and 56. In all seriousness, you know, as fun as fortune cookies are, our hope is not in fortunes. Our hope is not in the fates. Our hope is not in crossing our fingers, hoping things will work out. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in a faithful God. We have seen him move mountains, and we believe that he can do it again. He can do it again. Well, turning the page today and over the next three weeks, we are going to talk about change. We're going to talk about personal change. We're going to talk about the kind of change we want to see happen in our lives where we can become better versions 
of ourselves. And at this time of year, it makes sense to talk about change like this, doesn't it? Because let's face it, there is something motivational about the new year. There is something in us that wants to get better, be better, to improve the kind of people we are, because right now, we're not completely satisfied. We're not. There's some aspect of our life that frustrates us, that displeases us, that maybe even shames us. Those kind of thoughts and feelings can be powerful motivators for change. Now, when we talk about the areas of our lives that we want to change, you know, the list is endless, isn't it? Now, if you had to come up with a top three, my guess it would go something like this, right? Diet, exercise, and finances, right? Diet, exercise, finances. Lose weight, get fit, reduce debt, be richer. And I wouldn't be surprised if at least half of you here today are trying to address at least one of these this month. I mean, let's face it, we're coming out of Christmas where we overate, we overspent, and we know something's got to change. That's why so many commercials this time of year target those three areas, right? So you've seen them, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystems, Bowflex, Planet Fitness, Allstate, Edward Jones. I mean, even here at Opel, it's no coincidence that we start our wonderful and wildly successful Financial Peace University classes in January. Why? Because that's when we're hungry for change. But having said that, I'm sure there are many of you here who have other kinds of changes in mind for the new year. Again, if commercials are any indication, we've got singles here who want to be in a relationship. And maybe it's been a while since you've dated, or maybe you're coming off a breakup, or maybe you're just looking for that person who really gets you for who you really are. Or maybe you're married, and you feel like your, your marriage could be better than it is. Not that it's bad, but it just feels flat. And so maybe this year is the year that you want to go to a marriage conference. You want to take a class. You want to see a counselor. Or, or maybe there's some changes you want to see in your family. That as a parent, there's tension with one child in particular. Struggle, conflict. Last year was really difficult and you can't even begin to imagine going through the same thing again this year. You want to see something change. Or maybe, just maybe, you're hoping that this year is the year for spiritual change. And that's why you're here. You've been away from church for a while, or maybe you've never even been before. But deep down in your heart, you know that there's a missing piece that's been eluding you. And so coming here today is your Hail Mary. And I mean that purely in a football sense, not a religious sense, right? It's your last second, I've got nothing else to lose, desperation heave for 2018. And those are just some examples. You might have a few others of your own, but whatever that desired change might be for us, I think we're all wired as people created in God's image with these hopeful longings deep within us that wants to believe that life doesn't have to stay the way it is. That life doesn't have to stay the way it is, that things can get better, that things can be different. That is the hope, that is the desire, that is the wish, that's the dream when it comes to change. But we know the deal, right? That if you've been in the real world for a while and you've actually tried to make some changes before, you know that it's hard to stay hopeful. It's hard to keep positive about change. It is. I mean, if we can be real honest for a moment, I bet that the majority for us, that this isn't the first time we tried to do something about the area we want to see change this year, right? In other words, this isn't the first diet. This isn't the first gym membership. This isn't the first budget. This isn't the first time back to church. 
No, it's, been, it's more like, you know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, stayed the same. And so sure, there might have been some initial victories, some blips of improvement along the way, but in the end, it all went back to the way it was. And let me tell you, when you ride that same roller coaster again and again and again, try, succeed, trip up, fail again, start over, and it just eventually wears you out. And you want to get off. You want to get off. You conclude it's just not going to happen, so it's not worth it anymore. Why even bother? Because after all, you only wind up feeling even worse about yourself than when you began. I think all of us have been there at one time or another. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there were some of you in the room here today that have just stopped believing in change altogether. You've stopped believing in change. Because why? You can't take one more disappointment, failure, heartache, kick in the gut. We're like uh, Morgan Freeman's character in the Shawshank Redemption, right? Hope, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside, and you just better get used to that idea. You better get used to that idea. And just like him, maybe you too have gotten used to the idea that it's not worth it anymore to believe that change can really happen for you. But what if I told you? What if I told you that change, real change, lasting change, genuine change, meaningful change is possible? It's possible. And that the problem isn't that we believed in change. No, the problem is how we've thought about change. The problem is how we've gone about trying to make change happen in our lives. Can I say that again? The problem isn't that we believed in change. No, the problem is how we think about change. The problem is how we've gone about trying to make change happen. And so today and for the rest of the month, I want us to take a fresh look at change and to do so from God's perspective. God's perspective, where we're not only going to glean wisdom from the Bible, but we're also going to take some steps forward that we can put into practice in our own lives. So that's where we're going. And, And to begin this morning, we're going to look at a simple Bible passage that, honestly speaking, I didn't think I'd be sharing with you as part of this series. I didn't. And I've preached on the topic of change before, and there are a lot of great passages in the Bible that have to do with change that have to, you know, explain kind of the practical steps we can take. But what we're about to look at, I've never included before. I haven't. And yet, when I saw this a few weeks ago, I just couldn't shake it. I'm like, God, this seems so simple. This seems so simple. Certainly, there's something more complex out there. There's something more profound that you'd like me to share. And yet, I kept coming back to this same passage. So let's start there. It's found in the New Testament. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is one of the four biographical books about Jesus. One of the four Gospels that tells the story of uh, Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. It takes place during the ministry and teaching part of Jesus' life, which is somewhere in his early 30s. And so in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples or his followers, right? about God's truth, about the ways of the kingdom. Specifically, he's talking about the human nature. He's talking about how we can navigate complex dynamics in our relationships with others. So he teaches about forgiveness. He teaches and warns us about judging others. And then in verse 43, Jesus says this. Take a look. No tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't 
pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars or essentially pricker bushes, right? Now let me ask you a question, show of hands, just on the surface, okay? Don't read anything deeper into this right now, all right? This really isn't a trick question, okay? How many of you agree with what Jesus is saying here about trees and fruit? Raise your hand. Yeah. Like I said, not a trick question. Now, around here, we're not surrounded by fig trees and um, grapevines, so if Jesus was a 21st century Michigander, he might talk about apple trees and cherry trees, but the idea is the same. That whatever kind of tree it is, it produces that kind of fruit. Whatever kind of tree it is, it produces that kind of fruit. It really isn't all that complicated, is it? No, I told you it was simple. But then Jesus goes on and he takes these observations from the world of plants and then he connects them to the world of people. Right? World of plants to the world of people. Verse 45. He says this, that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. There it is that we, Jesus says, as people are just like plants. We're just like plants. That is that we are going to display the kind of outward fruit in our lives that is consistent with the type of person we are on the inside. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. That's just the way it works. And to prove his point, Jesus uses the example of speech. That the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, do you think that's true? I do. I do. Now, I don't think that people are either always positive and never hurtful with their speech or that they're always negative and never encouraging with their speech. You know, I think there's room for words like usually or, or mostly. But overall, and especially over time, I do think that how people talk to others and how people talk about others says a lot about the kind of person they are. I really do. And if you think about that long enough, it can be really encouraging or really discouraging, depending on how you think you talk to others and about others. Now, at the beginning of the message, when I gave examples about ways we want to change, I didn't mention speech, right? Or gossips or insults or vulgarity or abusive language and whatever else you can think of when it comes to our words. But maybe that should be on our list, that maybe we need to do better with our words. And if that's the case for you, then you can see what Jesus says here, that, that you realize that change doesn't begin for us out here, right on our lips. No, change begins in here, in our hearts. That in the words of Jesus, real change, lasting change, transformational change is only going to happen, how? When you become a different kind of tree. Now, how we use our words is just one example. I think Jesus could have taken this same principle and addressed other areas of our lives, which he actually does. In another part of the Bible, when he brings up the matter of money. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, that our money actions flow from our money attitudes. That our money actions flow from our money attitudes. That no one can serve two masters at the same time. That no one can simultaneously care the same about God and money equally. Know that ultimately one of those will win out in the end because our heart will be preoccupied with the thing that we treasure the most. 
Same principle. A good man brings good things out of the evil stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things stored out of the evil stored up in his heart for the body spends or saves or shares what the heart is full of. So what does all this have to do with us and change? Let me go back to something I said earlier, right? That the problem isn't that we believe in change. No, the problem is how we think about change. The problem is how we've gone about trying to make change happen. See, we've been wasting all our time. We've been messing around with the fruits. We've been messing around with outward behavior when really we should start with the roots and we should start with what's going on in our hearts. It is the difference, now pay attention to this, it is the difference between modification and transformation. Modification versus transformation, right? In other words, instead of spending all our energy on trying to be thorn bushes that are less prickly, We need to become different kind of trees. We need to become different kind of trees, not just modification, but transformation. So the big question then is what? How does that happen? How do we, in the words of Jesus, become a good tree with a good heart that bears good fruit? Well, from God's perspective, there's a good news, bad news answer to that question, okay? Good news, bad news. So let's get the bad news out of the way first. Here it is that according to God and his word, that you and I on our own without any help, we cannot change the fundamental nature of our heart. We cannot change the fundamental nature of our heart on our own. We can't. We can't change the kind of tree we are. Yes, we can modify our behavior. And yes, we can have little s successes along the way and make apparent progress. But on our own, left to our own devices, we are who we are. Now, I realize that some of you might object when you hear me say something so harsh and hopeless and helpless like that, right? You go back to the words of Jesus, you think to yourself, evil? You're calling me an evil person? Well, I'm not calling you that, but Jesus might be. And when he's talking about evil here, he's not just thinking mass murderers, right? Violent terrorists. No, he's just thinking about the fallen nature of the human heart, right? That we all possess a me-first disposition that we've had since birth, one that is more concerned about self than God. Self than God. In other words, we all start off as bad trees. Now, that wasn't God's original intention for us as people. No, he created mankind with pure hearts, hearts that were inclined toward the good. But God also created us with freedom of choice. And our original ancestors, with that choice, chose self-interest over God-interest. And ever since then, humanity has been plagued with this kind of Dutch elm disease of the heart. Bad trees, bad hearts, bad fruits. Left to ourselves, that's the story. Thankfully, though, it doesn't end there. You know, change is possible. And it became possible when God, out of a passionate love for the people he created, sent his son Jesus into the world. That Jesus lived this perfect life on earth. He died a sacrificial death on the cross in our place, and he rose victoriously from the grave, not only so that we could be saved, but also so that we would be changed. Changed. See, Jesus came on Christmas. He died on Good Friday. He rose again on Easter Sunday. Not just to save your soul. He came to change your life. And because of Jesus, we no longer have to settle for modification. No, now we can actually experience transformation. We can become new kinds of trees. This is what the Bible calls the blessing of the new covenant. 
the new covenant. This is how God explains the new covenant through the words of the prophet Ezekiel from the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. The Lord says, I will give you a new heart, a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. In other words, a hard heart, a stubborn heart, a closed heart. And instead, I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a receptive heart. That's what God does in our lives. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is the blessing of the new covenant that's made possible through the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross. And this is the miraculous, this is the instantaneous transformation that happens to every person who receives the gift of God's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ and him alone. And so anytime you talk about change, real change, lasting change, transformational change, change that really matters, it all starts with Jesus Christ and what he wants to do for you. So before I go on, I, I need to ask you the question, do you know Jesus personally as your Savior? Do you know Jesus personally as your Savior? Have you experienced the blessings of the new covenant in your life with a new heart and a new spirit within you? Knowing Jesus personally means fessing up to your badness so you can experience his goodness. So the encouragement is to trust Jesus, to believe in him, experience his forgiveness and the transformational blessings of a new and clean and responsive heart before God. How does that happen? It's something you can do on your own. In the privacy of your own house, in your own room, through a private prayer of faith to God. God, save me. God, change me. Or you can talk to one of us here at Hopewell. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus and pray with you and help you experience this kind of transformation. That's where change begins. Now, as we go further with this whole idea of change, though, I need you to bear with me a little bit at this point, right? Because I'm going to get a little technical with you and talk about a couple really big theology words, Okay. Here we go. Now, don't worry. There's not going to be a test, you know, at the end of the service or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I don't even think you need to remember these exact words, but I do want you to understand what these two words are trying to explain, because I think it's really going to make a huge difference in how you think about change and how you go about trying to make change happen in your life. So here we go. Here are those two words. Here are the words, justification and sanctification. Told you they were long and big and have a lot of syllables, right? Two words that describe different aspects of the same concept. And that concept is how you and I experience God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Justification and sanctification. So what are these two words? Well, let me explain it this way. See, justification has to do with God transforming the kind of trees we are, right? That's what I just talked about, right? That we are changed because of Jesus. Sanctification has to do with God improving the kind of fruit we bear, right? transforming the kind of tree we are versus improving the kind of fruit we bear. So justification says we're changed because of Jesus, right? That everybody who knows Jesus as Savior has fundamentally changed that in our very nature, we're different people. That because of the new covenant, we've been given a new heart, a new spirit. We've gone from bad tree a good tree. Jesus calls this new birth. The Apostle Paul calls this new creation. This is where the ultimate change happens, right? Remember, it's not just modification, it is transformation. That's what justification explains. Sanctification, on the other hand, 
It says that we are changing because of Jesus. So sanctification has to do with how change works itself out in our lives. So yes, Jesus has fundamentally, instantaneously transformed the nature of who we are. We're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're made new. But how that plays out in our lives, how we think, how we feel, how we act, the choices we make, those changes, they're gradual. They play out over time. And you know what else? They're not always a given. They're not. Let's go back to the world of trees and fruit, right? Justification says that God is able to turn pricker bushes into apple trees, right? Total transformation. But once you're an apple tree, there's no guarantee that in your life you're going to produce these big, bountiful harvests of red, luscious apples. It's not going to happen, especially right away. It's not a guarantee. There is a difference, right, between a new young tree versus a mature tree. And not only that, there are times when adverse conditions can keep a tree from bearing fruit. And then sometimes a tree itself can get sickly and produce some pretty ugly looking fruit too. Does that make sense? Well, enough about fruit. Let's bring it back to the Bible. See, the Apostle Paul, who's the author of most books in the New Testament, has a lot to say about justification and sanctification, the difference between the two changed versus changing. And one of the passages that does a really good job, I like how he explains it, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, verse 18. Here's what he says, verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. This is another way to think about the initial and fundamental change we experience when we become a Christian. We're given a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us. And because of the Holy Spirit, we're free to grow into the kind of person that we not only want to become, but the kind of person that God intends for us to be. That's justification. That kind of freedom changes everything. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are what? We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, that's sanctification. That is the process of being transformed, of us becoming more like the Lord Jesus over time with ever-increasing glory. It is ongoing. It is this progressive journey of outward change that the Holy Spirit brings about in our lives over time. It's why we're not perfect. It's why Christians can rub us the wrong way, because we are in process. But as we cooperate with the Spirit's work within us, whether we know it or not, That's the kind of change we're desperately longing to see happen in our lives. See, here's what you need to know. Change is possible. Change is possible. And I hope you've seen today how God can truly bring real, lasting change in your life and how he wants to see that kind of change happen for you even more than you do. He really does because you need to know that God is for you. God is for you always. And so for those of you who've given up on the possibility of ever changing, I want to encourage you to believe in change again. I want to encourage you to believe in change again. That what you've been incapable of doing on your own for the last several weeks, months, years, or even decades of your life, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and death when he rose from the grave, that he can not only save your soul, but that he can also change your life. Jesus Christ can change your life, and not just for the better, but for your best. 
And so over these next couple weeks, we're going to talk more about what that kind of change looks like in our lives. But as we begin to wind down today, I want to go back to something I said at the beginning when I was talking about us giving up on change, right? But the problem isn't that we believe in change. No, the problem is how we think about change. The problem is how we've gone about trying to make change happen in our lives. And the way to explain that, you know, I, I, I've entitled this message series, Forging Change. Forging change. And I've done so for a reason, because that word forge has a couple different meanings, doesn't it? A couple different meanings. And if you think about it, these two meanings do a really good job at contrasting how people approach change. So let me explain. You know, one of the ways you can use the word forge has to do with dishonesty and deception, right? So something like forging a check, what are you doing? You're copying someone else's signature on a check and you're passing it off as if it were real. In what? In order to make a quick buck. That's the word forgery. The word's also used in the word of world of art, right? Where you take a phony and worthless painting, but you represent it as a valuable and authentic masterpiece. That's forgery too. And quite frankly, that's how a lot of people sell us on change. Lose 10 pounds in a week and eat whatever you want. Double your money in just 90 days. Or here are five easy steps to a better relationship. Listen, we are immersed in a culture that tempts us with shortcuts and quick fixes. A culture that promises us big gain with little or no pain. But in the end, it's forgery. It's fake change. It's phony change. It's change that on the surface appears to be incredibly valuable, but when in fact you dig a little deeper, it's totally worthless. Totally worthless. You know, maybe it's time to stop listening to all the hollow promises that that kind of forge changes promise, and instead to look to God and to allow God to forge another kind of change in our lives. The kind of change you saw in that intro bumper video, right? Where forging means what? The forming, the shaping of metal into something more useful, something more valuable. And how's that happen? It's done by hammering. It's done by heating. Where yes, the process of forged change can be difficult. It can be intense. But the product of forged change is lasting and priceless. That's the kind of forged change that God wants to bring about in your life. God is truly the master blacksmith. And he can take the hard stuff of our lives and what we go through and turn it into good stuff. He really can. Now, it's going to mean some pain. It's going to take a whole lot of patience. But if we're willing to trust God, if we're willing to take God at his word, even when it's hard, he can and he will turn you into something amazing. I've heard it said of God's commitment to us, and I'll close with this. I love this quote. That God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. That because of his grace, yes, God loves us in all our messiness and imperfection. Don't ever forget that. He doesn't look at us and say, hey, you first need to get your act together and clean up your life, then maybe we can talk. 
No, God takes the first step with us, and he reaches out to us in love through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. That's how we change. That's how we're transformed. But God's loving commitment to us doesn't stop there. No, God wants to do even greater things in our lives, and he will if we let him. And so as we begin 2018, let this be the year. Okay? Let this be the year where we're willing to trust God more than ever before and allow God to forge his loving change in our lives. And as we close, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And after that, we're going to respond with a song of worship. But as we pray, I want you to do this. I want you to think about that area of change that came to mind at the beginning of the message, right? Of what you really want to see change this year. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to give it over to God as we pray. Will you do that? Open hands with an open heart. Give it over to God. Where you're going to be open to let God do not only what he wants to do in bringing about change in your life, but you'll also let him do how he wants to bring that change in your life. Where you hold on and trust him and obey him and follow him fully. Let this be the year that we do that together. So would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, that's our hearts. That's our desire. We're tired. Lord, we're tired of modification. We're tired of the empty promises of shortcuts and quick fixes that give us fleeting hope but only disappoint us in the end. God, we don't want modification, we want transformation. And so we're here, we're open, we're available. And thank you, Jesus, for the transforming work you do in our lives from the inside out, changing who we are fundamentally as people, and then changing the kind of fruit we bear, the lives we live, the words we say, the choices we make. And Lord, literally for the hundreds taking in this message, God, thank you that you know our lives, our situations, our struggles. So be with us, empower us. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, the freedom and the power of your Holy Spirit. You would change us for your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
stand as we unite our voices in a song that we haven't done in a while, but I know that you'll know it. And it's good for us to remember and then remember again, to declare God's truth in our lives, and that no matter what changes we go through, our God will come through always.
You know, those last words are straight from Scripture. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, and so we look to Him always. Next week, we'll continue our Forging Change series. We'll talk about the change is hard and what that means in our lives. But as you go from here, may you stand on the promises of God who is faithful to us always. God bless you.